the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Saturday. It is a bitter cold one out there. And welcome to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Now at our new time of 7 to 10 on 710. 710-KNUS, that is Peter Boyles. Now from 10 until 1. No, he didn't get his show cut into two hours. You got three full hours of Peter going into the afternoon now from 10 to 1 and yours truly from 7 to 10. And I, for one, am glad to have just a little extra sleep because I never get much sleep because I'm always prepping late into the night. I mean, I sent my audio cuts into Kelly at uh, about midnight last night, and that's just kind of how it rolls for yours truly. And so it's a little bit nice to have that. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to text in, please. And of course, 24-7, 365. You can also email yours truly. A couple of ways to do that. One is via the 710KNUS website, and you go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page there, or you can go to my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. And, of course, there's the socials. I'm on X, formerly Twitter, at Sang Center, Sang with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter, and... Facebook, facebook.com slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro, or just search Jimmy Sangenberger Media Personality on Facebook. So we got a great show today, lots to discuss coming up in the next segment. We will be joined by a guy who now he's really become the leading voice for school choice in the country and a thorn A thorn in the side is probably an understatement, but nevertheless, a thorn in the side of Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, the AFT, one of the lead unions in the country. Oh, yes, indeed. And it's always funny to think about it because... The the great irony, as Corey DeAngelis points out, is that the left and teachers unions have done more to advance the cause of school choice than the right ever could. And it's fun to watch. Well, Corey DeAngelis, senior fellow at the American Federation for Children, is the author of a forthcoming book. I think it's coming out in May called The Parent Revolution. And. I have a preview copy of it. I've started reading it, and it is as insightful as you would expect from Corey DeAngelis. 
with a subhead, rescuing your kids from the radicals ruining our schools. Very glad to have Corey DeAngelis coming on the program to update us in the early days of 2024 on what's happening in 2024 with school choice. What is the current state of affairs? We'll talk with him about that coming up in the seven, uh, rather the eight o'clock hour, hour number two. I got a nice little shout out from my buddies at Rhino Watch yesterday in uh, in an email blast. We're going to talk about that because there are a few things relative to the column I wrote in the Denver Gazette. Lots to discuss and uh, open up the phones on that as well. And coming up in the third hour, the 9 a.m. hour now, State Representative Ron Weinberg will be joining us to talk a bit about the anti-Semitism on display. I mean, the insanity in the legislature is already palpable, and I hope the right will drop its own shenanigans and focus on emphasizing the likes of Elizabeth Epps and Tim Hernandez. One of the reasons why Martin Luther King's philosophies were so unpopular is because he called for an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Vietnam. I'm so proud to stand today as a member of the Latino caucus. I'm so proud of my caucus for standing in solidarity with the oppressed and calling for an immediate and permanent ceasefire in Gaza today. Thank you. Standing in solidarity with the oppressed. I'm just like MLK and I'm calling. For a ceasefire in Gaza. What a hero. What a hero. Not really. That is Tim Hernandez, one of the radicals in the ranks of the Democrats. You know, though, who will not be a radical in the ranks of the Colorado State House of Representatives. Folks, you know we had to begin the show with this little update. I'm just chilling at the crib and making policy. They say they want some drastic changes here, but all I see is folks not helping all our kids when they can hardly read. And somehow I get all the blame, and that's what bothers me. Spending 250 k They could have focused on some other stuff and not on budget broke from all the innocent. You may be missing, but I'm seeing slaving up in DPS on the school board. He doesn't want to be slaving up in DPS. He doesn't want to be slaving up in the legislature. Because ladies and gentlemen, on Tuesday, Ayante M. Anderson posted the following on social media. Quote, new He has to do capital N-E-W because, you know, eco, another three-letter word. Today, I am ending my campaign for Colorado House District 8 to ensure that it remains a historically black seat in the upcoming election. Okay, let's stop there. Is he worried that he was going to lose? He had 9% approval in DPS. So he's like, I can't be slaving up in here anymore. 
I gotta, I gotta leave. I can't run again. So he decided not to run for re-election. Said I'm running for House District Eight, being vacated by Leslie Herod, who's who's term limited instead. Well, not anymore. He goes on to say that he's quote excited to launching, which. I I didn't notice the grammatical issue there. Excited to launching a new educational nonprofit called the Center for Advancing Black Excellence in Education at Advance Black to U. Please follow us on social media and support our work. Our mission is grounded in the conviction that access to high quality education is not just a right but the foundation of a thriving and resilient communities. There was no A there. The foundation of thriving and resilient communities. That was right. Uh, Let me just say something. Does that mean that DPS, where black and brown students can do math uh, at proficiency for grades three through eight, like 30% of them, only 30% of them, is that thriving? How about the number of students, the percentage of students that can do English at grade level being at 40%? Is that a resilient community? I'm sorry, the legacy of Tay Anderson in education ain't that good. Just got to be honest. We commit ourselves to disrupting the systems that cause educational disparities faced by black students. Yes, you make it even worse. That's the trick. That's why you go in and you make it a centerpiece of your time on the board to eliminate, remove school resource officers from DPS campuses. That's how you disrupt the systems and then result in an exponentially less safe environment for students and teachers alike. And he closes, through this work, we will reimagine our K through 12 education system and dismantle deeply rooted systems of oppression. Read my full letter to the community here. So, Let's just be real as to what's going on here. After years of GoFundMes and DPS expense reimbursements, remember, in one year alone, he went over $13,000 above in part so he could go gallivant across the country, something that offended him, by the way. The fact that I reported on how much money Tay Anderson was spending from taxpayer dollars to go around the country was so offensive to him that at the last board meeting for the previous board, He was at the dais, and he was speaking, and uh, I was in the back corner, just, you know, minding my own business, just observing, and, well, I got a little shout-out from Tay. I have been able to travel across America, yes, Jimmy, across America, sharing the great work that that we have been doing, (laughs) that we have been doing. A little bit of a nervous laugh there, that's understandable, but, uh. He wasn't too happy about me highlighting all those expense reimbursements. And what what about, why didn't I get my invitation, Tay, to go to the private screenings that you put on of The Little Mermaid and Black Panther Wakanda Forever? I mean, you love my work. I love your weekly articles about me. 
After years of GoFundMes and DPS expense reimbursements, former DPS board member Tay Anderson, at a base level here, this is what's going on, has realized that he can't win in HD8 and needs a job. So he's found a nice little home in a new nonprofit where people can finally get tax deductions for giving him money. Now, in fairness, he hasn't gotten his C3 status yet, but I bet he will very soon. And then any donations that are given to his organization will retroactively become tax deductible. That's how it works. Well, it seems like a, a nice little way to go, doesn't it? But bottom line is, Tay Anderson is not pursuing elective office anymore. At least for the time being. Which unfortunately means, you know, there won't be as much to, to talk about regarding Tay. But, you know, he'll find a way. This is an organization he'll end up uh, speaking at school board meetings, guarantee uh, in Denver, trying to hold them accountable. When he himself always likes to dodge accountability, remember this? Hi, I'm Officer Gann, Denver Police. I'll stop you for speeding, 35 and a 25. Can I see your license registration, please? Permission to pull down my pocket? Yeah, I've, I've asked you for certain documents. I expect you to reach around to get them. I just don't want to get shot by you. Well, that's a myth. I don't believe that's a myth. Oh, goodness. The many adventures of the Anderson era in Denver Public Schools. And now it is officially coming to a close. But let it be a reminder to school board members everywhere, whether in Denver or elsewhere, that it's not a good idea for you to become the story. For the school board's work and the school district's educational activities to become about you. Because somehow that's what happened with Tay Anderson. He became such a focal point because of the Anderson antics. He became such a centerpiece because of his outspokenness to the extreme. Because he even admitted to his ego. He couldn't let it get out of his way. So he kept charging ahead with it. He brought about what Albertus Simmons, the civil rights activist, called a clown show right to their faces. He brought about a massive investigation that found that he had coercively attempted to date multiple underage students. And intimidated witnesses on at least two occasions. And the list goes on for things that Tay Anderson was found to have done. Not the most egregious stuff. But nevertheless, worthy of resignation. And he didn't resign. But now he's gone with lessons learned for school districts everywhere. Don't become the story and don't let yourself become the crisis. As a school board, as a school district, don't become the crisis. Whether you have issues of violence, you have disciplinary problems, you have a COVID crisis, you have a collapse in any number of metrics. What should you do? Don't make it worse by digging a hole deeper and deeper and deeper. Don't become the crisis. Alas, that's what DPS did under Tay Anderson. And hopefully they won't do that under this new board. 
I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. You're listening to The Jimmy Sangenberger Show. A News Talk 710 KNUS now running from 7 to 10 on 710. We're going to take a break, give you one more little treat of that wonderful musical hit from a couple of years ago. I remember when Tay dropped his single. It was a wonderful time around the holidays. And then when we come back, we'll be joined by none other than Corey DeAngelis and get an update on the state of school choice in 2024. Lots coming up. We are just getting started, revved up and ready to go on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show News Talk 710 KNUS. The American people deserve to. DPS, slaving up at DPS. I'm just chilling at the crib and making policy. They say they want some drastic changes here, but all I see is folks not helping all our kids when they can hardly read. And somehow I get all the blame, and that's what bothers me. Spending 250k on energy. They could have focused on some other stuff and not on Budget broke from all the illnesses. You may be missing, but I'm still like a gander, son. Little brother through it, but he keeps keeping on. We have some shit, but everybody keeps keeping on. With the best damn bumper music known to man, heading towards 11 years running, now from 7 to 10 on Saturday mornings, it's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS, with little Albert Cummings, past guest of the program, bringing us back. Alive, you're alive and you're breathing, just a great tune and a great reminder when you are down in the dumps. To be a little bit optimistic. Now, I also have felt that our public education system has been down in the dumps, especially in Colorado of late. We were just talking about the Denver School Board and the latest regarding Tay Anderson, the former vice president. But we have issues going on all across the country. And it's staggering to think about. The number of students that have been left behind because of learning loss or because of mental health issues as a result of being told you have to stay home and be deprived of these seminal events for your childhood, for your growth and development. And yet there is hope. And the hope is coming from the parents who are taking more and more initiative for their own kids' education, which is why I am very pleased to welcome back to the show my friend, the senior fellow at the American Federation for Children, the author of the forthcoming book. It's coming out in May, May 14th, The Parent Revolution, Rescuing Your Kids from the Radicals Ruining Our Schools. Corey DeAngelis returns to the program. Good morning, brother. Happy New Year. Hey, Jimmy, it's good to talk to you again. You know, I have to say this to begin. I remember that the first time I ever interviewed you was for the web show that I had done with the uh, Washington Examiner, Jimmy, at the crossroads. And funnily enough, the day that my car was stolen for the first time, you remember this, I was supposed to have you and another Heritage guest. We were going to pre-record a Friday episode, and my car was stolen, and I said, you know what, we got to reschedule, which which we ended up (laughs) rescheduling, but... And I don't mean this in a derogatory way. You were sort of like just nobody in the sense of being just (laughs) on the rise, just getting out there. And now you have been labeled by some as the the I'm paraphrasing here, but like the top advocate for school choice in history, even more than Milton Friedman, although. You know, you got to be careful when you make those kinds of comparisons. We both know about Friedman. (laughs) But talk to me for a moment about. 
what it's like at this moment really yeah. helping to lead the charge for mm-hmm. giving parents the opportunity to make the best choice for their kids' education. Yeah, well, you know, Jimmy, we've been winning so much, um, I'm almost getting tired of winning. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We're not done yet. But we have had so much momentum, and it's really been given to us on a silver platter by the teachers' unions and people like Randy Weingarten, who really just stepped in at this time. They, they keep stepping in it, and they, they get ratioed on, on X, formerly Twitter, all the time. She closes her replies all the time because they've, they've just gone so far. They've been drunk on power for, for so long. They don't know how to do, do it any differently. And they've really just spat in the face of parents and parents aren't taking it anymore. They saw what was happening with the school closures all the curriculum that doesn't align with their values. They started pushing back at school board meetings, got labeled as domestic terrorists for, for daring to want to have a say in their kids' education and, and pushing back against the establishment. And that only emboldened them further, even though it was just an attempt to silence and bully them into submission. That didn't work. Parents started showing up at the ballot box, too, and made school choice and parental rights and education a political winner, particularly in red states. Hopefully that bleeds over to blue states as well. Uh, And I talk about that in my book, how that strategy could unfold over the next decade or so. And it also documents the wins of I mean, look, in 2021, we had the most states ever expanding school choice. In 2022, we had the biggest wins for school choice in U.S. history. And in 2023, we had 10 states uh, in the past two years go universal on school choice, making everybody eligible. You, You mentioned Milton Friedman passing his vision, his ideas really coming to fruition finally. And it's all because of the union. It's it's their own fault, uh, and so there there are there are unintentional heroes of the past two years by being so bad. Um, by by places like Chicago where they were closed into 2022, they were they were striking over so-called safety while their board members were, were vacationing in Puerto Rico, even though they were saying it was too dangerous because of COVID to go back to work. They were deleting tweets claiming it was racist and sexist to reopen the schools. I mean, it was it all just got so ridiculous. We, we the the country started to realize that we had finally lost our collective minds once it when it came to education. And thankfully, the silver lining here is ten states going universal. And and look, we live in the U.S. of A. The fifty states, the the laboratories of democracy. They're working as they were intended to work. The, the dominoes are falling when it comes to the government school monopoly and. And uh, 2024 shaping up to look even better. One of the things that's striking about this year is that it is sort of the culmination of the buildup of the past few years, as you were alluding to and, and pointing out, and especially when it comes to the fact that in COVID we had, as I mentioned before, a real recognition from parents that they were sort of at the mercy of this, as you described it, government monopoly of the school system. And they had no choice. Their kids had to be home from school for a massive, outrageous uh, period of time. And that also gave them an eye into the curriculum, how things were being taught, what was being taught, so on and so forth. And so these this culmination of factors leads parents to say, hey, I want to make a change for my kid, whether that means going to school board meetings and advocating for change or making a move to bring your kid to a different school. But here's the the question, Corey DeAngelis. When you say in your book, the title of your book, The Parent Revolution, 
are we really at that point of apparent revolution or is this just a, a build up moment? We're still there. We're still just kind of driving people. Are we there? Yeah, we've, we've reached escape velocity for us to have three repeat years of record setting uh, school choice victories, 2021, 2022, 2023. And then governors still talking about the state of the states are happening uh, this month, a lot of them. And you've already had a ton of the governors. Wall Street Journal just wrote uh, their editorial board an article today on Governor Kemp explicitly calling for a private school choice proposal to pass their house. It already passed the Senate strictly along party lines with all the Republicans in favor. And uh, that's just this the first time that I can tell in Georgia history that a governor has ever explicitly called for private school choice in a state of the state address. I mean, this is just huge momentum. And you see it particularly with red state governors engaging in this friendly competition to empower families with school choice. Look at Governor Bill Lee in Tennessee, uh, even before the state of the state started rolling out, he's explicitly called for a education savings account proposal. And for your listeners, education savings accounts are the kind of the new wave of, of private school choice where the money follows the child. You could take it to your government run or what most people call public schools if you like. If you like your public school, you can keep your public school. Uh, but for real this time, and like with your doctor. Uh, but if not, you can take that funding to something called an education savings account directed by the parent. And it's kind of like a health savings account. You can only use it for approved expenses. And it's for any education provider that works best for you. That could be private school tuition and fees. That could be a private tutor, a homeschool co-op or micro school. It's it's the purest form of the money following the child. And look, parents know their kids best, and they have the incentive to get the decision right for their own kids, and they also have the on-the-ground knowledge to get the decision right. They know their kids better than any bureaucrat sitting in offices uh, hundreds of miles away. So that's just a couple of states. I mean, the, the, the long story short on 2024 is that Ten states have gone universal on school choice, mostly controlled by Republican legislatures, all of them actually. And uh, 22 states have GOP trifectas where Republicans control the legislature and the governor's office. So where we'll see momentum going forward is basically the red states where we haven't had uh, universal school choice pass already. So I'm looking at states like Georgia, like I mentioned, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana is going to make it happen. I mean, their only holdup was their governor, who was a Democrat before. They now have Jeff Landry, a school choice supporter. Uh, Texas is going to have some interesting elections after their Senate passed school choice last year in 2023, but then the House blocked it. Uh, I think all of the guys who were Republicans who voted against school choice in Texas in their house, well, they were all who are running for reelection. Uh, they they were all endorsed by the teachers union, and they all have primary opponents already who are uh, uh, supportive of school choice. So that's going to be a reckoning in the Texas House. Uh, Wyoming has a proposal for school choice. Anyway, I can go yeah. through and list through all the states, but it's amazing. The long story short is it's usually red states, and I know you live in a blue state, Jimmy. That. Colorado doesn't always have to be a blue state, but at the same time, some Democrat politicians are even reading the tea leaves and starting to mm -hmm. signal support for school choice. So look at Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania. He went on Fox News even, uh, a Democrat, supporting school choice because he kind of sees it. I mean, there are right and left-leaning arguments you can you can make for school choice. He was probably looking over at uh, Virginia, too, where Terry McAuliffe really stepped in a Democrat who was running for governor 
who said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. I mean, that's just a political loser all the way around. Mm-hmm. Corey DeAngelis is our guest, author of the forthcoming book. In May, you can pre-order it now. The Parent Revolution, Rescuing Your Kids from the Radicals, Ruining Our Schools. I do want to just note that it's not terrible for school choice in Colorado. There's at least some opportunities, a lot of room for improvement. I'd love to have an education savings account. We have a great model for how that works down in Colorado Springs which, uh, with the nonprofit, I know you know it, Parents yep. Challenge uh, with Steve yep. Shuck, my good friend, your friend as well, and his late wife, Joyce, who founded this organization that provides scholarships for any need that the parents have. You mentioned tutoring as an example. That's one of the possibilities for kids in Colorado Springs that are participating in Parents Challenges programs. They can go to private school and get help with that tuition. They can get help with transportation, with books or whatever their needs are. And that's what it's really about. Mm-hmm. is putting the parent in the driver's seat of their kid's education, right? And as you have said for years, you're the first person I ever heard this back in 2020, fun students, not systems. Right, yeah, fun students. Look, uh, Democrats support funding going directly to people as opposed to buildings for higher education with the Pell Grant. You can take your Pell Grant to a public or private university. Same thing with pre-K programs. Uh, Governor Polis has uh, bragged about passing universal pre-K in Colorado, and that could be used at any private provider, even if it's a religious one of your choosing. I mean, the money follows the student with pre-K, too. We should do the same thing for K-12 through education, fund the student, not the system. The reason that some people support it for everything else but not K-12 through is it's all about power, not logic. You have a entrenched special interest, the, the teachers union status quo that does not like any change to the traditional system because they want to keep their monopoly gravy train going. They don't want families to be able to choose to direct their, their kids' education dollars elsewhere. That's all this is about. But at the same time, teachers themselves should be happy about competition in education because the bureaucratic administrative system has no incentive to spend the money on them in the classroom. So that goes towards administrative bloat, staffing surges, goes towards the union bosses like Randy Weingarten, who make over 500000 a year, but doesn't make its way to the classroom. So school choice is a political winner. It's a winner for families and, their, and, the, and the kids, obviously, they get a choice. But it's a winner for the teachers, too, because uh, it gives their, their employer, uh, the districts, more incentive to get those decisions right on spending. And, Jimmy, real quick on blue states, there's a couple ways to get there. You, you mentioned a great uh, private initiative. You can fund scholarships privately. It's, it's great. Um, it's a step in the right direction. You can also – Colorado has a robust charter school market, which it's not pure ESAs, but it is at least some choice within the uh, public school system. Uh, but you can also pass local uh, vouchers or ESAs where the funding follows student in your local district if you get enough support within the state. Uh, and, and Colorado has done that in the past. We don't have to get into the history on that, but that's, that's still an option going forward. And then also there's a federal proposal for school choice that's tax credit privately funded, too. It's called the Educational Choice for Children Act that would supercharge red state uh, programs that already exist, but also expand school choice to bluer states. Uh, I think ultimately the way that you get there in blue states has to be through political pressure. That's the that's the best long-term strategy. It's not a short-term yeah. strategy. But once politicians kind of see that, hey, Democrat voters support this too, and when you, when you poll people over and over again, 
the Democrats, Republicans, and independents lock arms on this issue. It's one of the few issues where we can all just get along and understand that parents are the best decision makers for their kids, and it's their right to direct their kids' education dollars to the school that works best for them, public or private. Corey DeAngelis, our guest, just a few minutes left with you, Corey, and I want to read something from a press release from Denver Public Schools, our prime example of failures in education. The four-year graduation rate, they reported in a press release, for the class of 2023 increase, increased by 2.5 percentage points to 79.0% over the previous year. The five-year graduation rate also increased from 79.5% to 80.8%, and the six-year graduation rate decreased slightly from 81.8% to 80.7%. Now, I am just struck, Corey, Mm -hmm. hearing those numbers being celebrated as though that is any sort of wonderful thing okay it's good on one hand on the one hand that more students are graduating from high school okay that's nice but yeah, when yeah. you consider the fact that when you look at their test scores they're in the tank exactly. uh, Corey, between uh, in kids between grades three and eight in denver only 30 percent are proficient in math 40 percent are proficient in english and you have equity grading you know all about that that is being incorporated <laughs> into dps we can't can't give you F's, uh, you know, below this this certain grade because, well, that's not fair. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, you can have a hundred percent graduation rate, and if your test scores are crap and you're not actually teaching the kids anything, then what are you actually doing here, right? So, like, you can just pass kids to the system, and you see that in places like Oregon too. I think they recently passed a law where you don't have to really pass anything, and they'll just pass you through the system. So, I mean, it's a it's a huge problem, particularly in blue states right now. Uh, like you said, Jimmy, with the equity graining, it's pretty much uh, race to the bottom. Everybody can fail, and we pass you through, and you, if you jump to the hoops. Uh, enough years in a row uh, that's not the way to go about things and and look that that's the reason parents might want a, a, an alternative choice uh good thing Colorado has some charter schools uh the, the establishment fights those left and right uh but at the same time parents care about test scores they care about academics but they care about other things too and if the schools are failing based on the most basic metric of math and reading test scores you got to scratch your head a little bit and think about, well, what's happening on the non-tested subjects or, or metrics of quality? Like, how safe is the school? Is the school's curriculum aligned with my values? Parents don't want their kids to be brainwashed. They don't want to send their kids uh, that, that teach them Marxism and, and that, that divide kids based on uh, the color of their skin or other immutable characteristics. They want to be taught that they're either an oppressor or the oppressed. So test scores are just the... The, the bare minimum, if the schools can't do that, parents should look deeper into what's going on. And I think that's the story of, of what's happened since 2020. Parents have yeah. found that the schools that even the ones that have good test scores, they're not as great as, the, as you might think they are because uh, of these most fundamental characteristics of not um, indoctrinating your kids in ways that don't align with your values. Well, I have an advanced copy of The Parent Revolution that I've just started reading, and I have to give you props for some of the best chapter titles of any mm-hmm. uh, you know public affairs book that I've read, especially Chapter 9, The Government School Empire Strikes Back. As a Star <laughs> Wars fan, I love it, brother. But let me just ask you, give us a tease. What can folks expect May 14th when The Parent Revolution comes out? 
it's going to show you how we got to where we're at uh, and how all of a sudden in 2020 we started passing school choice like gangbusters. And um, really a, a lot of the story is on the ground of what happened with the teachers unions, me going to different capitals and different stories that I've encountered. I call out the hypocrisy left and right. I pull no punches. There's so many elected officials who went to private school or sent their kids to private school then fight against it for others. I mean, they pull the ladder up from behind themselves. It's just ridiculous. So I call out and I name names and they're not going to like it, but that's too bad. And uh, you'll like the dedication. Don't, don't share it with the audience yet, but it's a, it'll, it'll be a surprise. And then I talk about the, how we go forward how do we get school choice in the blue states? How do we uh, make every single red state have school choice as well? And I give everybody hope that this momentum is not going to subside and uh, I talk about how it's also a political winner, too. That's you, you have to have the logical battle on your side. We've won the logical war for school choice for decades. We've always had been in the right when it comes to what is the logically correct policy. But it's also the we're getting politicians to listen to us, too, now because it's a political winner. And parents became a new special interest group. And yes. uh, they woke up and they're not going back to sleep. <laughs> well said. I do have to say, uh, from the vein of optimism, that all three of the seats that were up for the Denver School Board were filled by pro-school choice, pro-charter candidates. And Boom. that was a very encouraging. There's still four seats to be addressed coming up in uh, a couple of years, but there you go. And, uh, uh, Corey, I would be remiss, since I know you love the harmonica playing, if I didn't play a little school choice <laughs> blues, because yeah. now things have gone from... <laughs> From the bluesy, oh, we're down in the doldrums because we don't have enough choice to now. Let's go. A little bit more upbeat, right, brother? That's right. Uh, it's good to hear from you again, Jimmy. <laughs> Always good to have you, my friend, and to talk with you. Best of luck. We'll have you back on, of course, especially when the book's coming out in May. Best of luck with you, uh, with your endeavors with The Parent Revolution. All right. Thanks so much. I hope to join you soon. Thank you. Happy New Year. Once again, Corey DeAngelis joining us here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. You can pre-order his book, The Parent Revolution, Rescuing Your Kids from the Radicals Ruining Our Schools, right now. Be sure to check it out. Great guy doing tremendous things across the country. Now as a voice for school choice. We're going to take a break. We'll be back on the other side. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, now 7 to 10 on 710 KNUS. Gotta love this tune, Samantha Fish bringing us back. Sounds like some folks in Colorado politics. News Talk 710 KNUS, the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Good to be with you. Two more hours up ahead. I got a shout out from Rhino Watch yesterday and my column in the Denver Gazette relative to Colorado GOP matters. We will talk about all those shenanigans coming up in the next hour and in the third hour, the 9 o'clock hour, now remember, we are on from 7 to 10. Peter Boyles from 10 to 1 now every Saturday. But in the 9 o'clock hour, we will be joined by State Representative Ron Weinberg to talk about what's happening in the Colorado legislature, the insanity that we are already seeing, particularly when it comes to some of the anti-Semites that are in the legislature, like Tim Hernandez and Elizabeth Epps. Keep it right here. Lots more to come.
The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.